When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. PHLY Eagles podcast bright and early on a Friday morning. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, and as has become our new Friday custom, very nice to be joined by the professor himself, Dennis Selman. Dennis, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you guys? We're doing very well. Uh, now, we've got a lot to get to. We're going to get into uh, the matchup again on both sides of the ball. Some of the advanced uh, analytics you're going to tell us about. We've got uh, some news updates from yesterday, Zach, but I do want to start uh, I need to apologize to the audience. Um, we strive for accuracy on this show. Yesterday in the discussion of the Ole Miss offense, mm. uh, I said Jeremiah Masoli. Of course, that was Jordan Tamu, yes. not uh, Jeremiah Masoli. So my apologies. Uh, I will be better. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Zach, do you have anything to say? So the, the tale of the tape, if you will, or mm. the breakdown of the tape, between Jalen and Gino, and terrific headline today. Bo does the headlines. And Why don't we they, go to the tape? Let's go to the okay. tape. At slow speed here, correct? They were without Gino Smith last week. Drew Locke at the helm. Sounds like there's a good chance that Gino Smith is back. We'll presume that just uh, for the sake of the show, Gino but Smith. it's not. Isn't that what I said? It said Jalen Smith, it sounded like. I'm pretty sure I said Gino Smith. Okay. okay. But I appreciate you grinding the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> So as it was slowed down on Spotify uh, to 0.8 speed, I did hear Gino. The way you said it in real time sounded like Jalen. I will take I will take responsibility for that. <laughs> Listen, now, I gotta enunciate wait, better. Now I, I did, do want to push know. back on something. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So how many times in the past six weeks, or no, past thirteen weeks, and past five years, have you interrupted me? <laughs> In the middle of a point, and just like so, then the, the the one time that I interrupt you, you grind the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> not Stop just speaking. not just one show, but two shows. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that that uh, let's was. just hear it one more time. They were without Geno Smith last week. Drew Locke at the helm. Sounds like there's a good chance that Geno Smith is back. We'll presume that just uh, for the sake of the show, Gino but Smith. it's not. Isn't that what I said? It said Jalen Smith, it sounded like. I'm pretty sure I said Geno Smith. Okay. Okay. But I appreciate you grinding the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> I mean, you're so you're so eager to catch me in a mistake. No, All I you was, had to do was wait for the old Miss discussion. I was trying to set the record straight. I didn't want the audience to think that the former Notre Dame linebacker is now playing quarterback for the Seattle Yes, that's the, that is the thing that they might have thought. <laughs> well, you said Jalen Smith, or when I thought well, you said Jalen okay. Smith. You said Geno Smith, so I take full responsibility. It is my fault there. Uh, but I, for the sake of accuracy, I wanted to make sure that the audience did not think that Pete Carroll was bringing That's in the was. former Notre That's Dame linebacker okay. to play or or the Indiana Pacers power forward that they signed him. Got it. Okay. Uh, yes, and so apologies to the whole Masoli family because, boy, did we uh, you know, drag <laughs> Jeremiah into the mud. Okay, uh, Zach, what were the uh, what were the news and updates from from the Novacare Complex yesterday as the Eagles got back to work? Yeah, so they were back out there, and I think the biggest update, uh, frankly, wasn't what was said as much as what was done, and that was there was a change from their typical, I say Wednesday schedule. Yesterday in in football in Eagles world was a Wednesday, okay, because the game is on a Monday, so everything gets pushed back. So they operate with so their their back to work schedule. Uh, they typically have a walkthrough as they've had the past few weeks, as they have in January. I'm sorry, in December's 
the past two years under Sirianni, certainly last year. Uh, after that game the other day, they changed the schedule. They had a practice, not just not just any type of practice. They were in pads, which there are limitations from the NFLPA on the amount of padded practices you can have in the final weeks of the year. So they used one of those. I was going to say one of those. They they uh, used one of those padded practices yesterday, which is noteworthy. Now Nick Sirianni said two things. He said first off, the change the Monday gave them an extra day, which which is accurate, right? He also said they had to get back the fundamentals. And as I said in in yesterday's show, one thing Nick Sirianni said when I asked him on Tuesday, was it about uh, Jalen Hurts' fumbles? He said falling to the ground is not a natural motion or or protecting the ball while falling to the ground. So uh, they need to drill that in practice. And sure enough, their first drill in practice was literally ball carriers falling to the ground. Uh, Feels a little performative. Perhaps so, but it it was noteworthy when the text came that the practice schedule was different. And then I'm in the locker room, and I'm in the locker room before walkthrough, typically on that day. And they're not putting on pads. And when I see them putting on pads, I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is noteworthy here. Uh, so I I thought that was like the most interesting thing that come out of yesterday. As far as as I, mean, I think, and anytime they do something differently than the way they've been doing yeah. it, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and especially in response to that type of loss. Wasn't when Quez Watkins fumbled getting up from the ground against Washington yes. last year? Didn't they open practice with a drill getting up from the ground? <laughs> Did they? What I thought that? so. I thought so. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought I remembered. Well, yeah. To their credit, they haven't fumbled getting up from the ground since. <laughs> well, yeah, it was good. Oh, so there are only so many combinations left with the ground. That's I mean, true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that so that stood out from Sirianni's press conference. It, he acknowledged that he that they're pissed off. The he's answered the motion thing so many times, like why they don't do motion, and he continued to explain it. Although he doesn't want to be near the bottom of the league in anything, as as he said, uh, I, this might be one of the things that they have rabbit ears toward. I can see them incorporating more motion here, uh, but it, it's it's just not something that this offense has has majored in. And one of the things that he kind of has his backup, and, and and he's right, is they were one of the best offenses in the in the league last year with one of the lowest motion rates, and it's just not a staple of of their offense. Well, let's get into this because I, okay. I, you you have some thoughts on the like the extreme tent poles that they have on some some. <laughs> yeah, of these I mean, Sirianni talks a lot about not wanting to be extreme in anything. Yep. Uh, wise man avoids all extremes, that kind of thing. When you look at certain, um, you know, metrics for this offense, I mean, they are kind of extreme in 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 a bunch of kind of fundamental, you know, shape of the offense type things. I mean, the thirty second in the league in motion is something that we've that we've talked about now. There was a little bit more motion against Dallas, and yes. some of it actually, you know, you could see it kind of uh, be useful. There's that exit motion with the with the running back kind of, um, you know, exiting the formation at the beginning. Use that uh, very effectively on a quarterback draw early in the game. Use it again later on an in route to to Dallas Goddard. It actually worked very well on the the play that AJ Brown fumbled. I mean, the the play, you know, up until the point of the of the fumble, uh, that motion helped. So saw it a little bit in, in that game. Still, thirty second in motion. 30th in the league at frequency of using bunch formations. Hmm. Um, and we've seen how much trouble the Eagles have against bunches on the other other side of the ball. Not something they use on offense. 31st in the league at using asymmetric formations. So three by one as opposed to two receivers on each side. So the Eagles are 31st uh, in the league at that. And that might seem like a small thing, but... That those, seems bizarre to me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those two by two sets, I mean, it makes it easier for defenses to disguise... Right. It also makes it easier for them to uh, follow their coverage rules. Right. On the flip side, we've seen the Eagles defense struggle a lot with those asymmetric formations, three by one, motioning into four by one, combining the asymmetry with the with the motion, something the Chiefs did very well Mm -hmm. in the Super Bowl, um, things that other teams have done very well against the Eagles defense as well. 32nd, we've talked about this before, at lining up under center. And, you know, when you look at the um, the play action metrics, uh, the Eagles are eighth in play action. But when you just watch the film, it the play action doesn't has very little bite. I mean, it's it's out of shotgun. It's oftentimes just a kind of half-hearted, right. you know, like like the running back is clearly not going to get the ball. He's he's scanning for blitzers and stuff while pretending to sort of go through the play action. And um, you know, that's that's in part because of the of the the fact that it's not happening from from under center. And then just this is more just me um, you know, anecdotally observing from the, watching the film, 
there's just very little unusual alignment in this offense. Mm. I mean, just just the just the play from the last game that Dallas ran. They ran a, a post wheel flat combination in the second quarter. It ended up being a six yard completion to the running back to, to Dowdle. Okay, so it didn't seem like a, a big play. But watching it, they 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 line up from under center in the I formation with Jake Ferguson, who's a who's a receiving tight end for them, as lined up as a fullback, and he ends up running a wheel route to combine with a post route from Brandon Cooks on the outside. And the Eagles covered the post on the wheel uh, pretty well in that instance, but the flat still got the first down. And also running plays like that is going to make the defense think about that differently next time. I mean, they can run out of that formation. They can run that kind of thing. The Eagles do very little of that. I mean, we saw them experiment with Devontae Smith. I was going to say, there was like that one Out of the backfield, there was like one game where they did it twice or whatever. And that seems to be a thing too. They put in a package for (laughs) one game. It seems to be specific to that defense maybe. And then we don't see it again. Um, and it's one of those things that, you know, Sirianni said yesterday, and we, we need to talk more about what Sirianni said in his presser yesterday yep. about when it relates to CPOE, which we can talk about. But he said yesterday that formation, when he was asked about motion, he said that formation can give you information as well um, as that motion, right? Um, but the formations don't seem to be particularly diverse. Uh, Eagles do use a lot of empty. 12% empty is the third highest in the league. So maybe that's what he meant, like lining up the running back right. yep. outside and seeing if the linebacker follows him. But that's you know not exactly a sophisticated and it's static most of the time. Yes, exactly. I, I, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, not having it unbalanced the 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 thirty first in, in three by one sets is so bizarre to me. It's the one that jumps out the most to me because it feels like you have this superpower of having these two elite wide receivers plus Dallas Goddard right. like to be able to move those guys around and overload the defense on one side if you can or. Right like isolate a guy with just one. I don't know. It, it feel, that feels like such a missed opportunity to me. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, expert, no, it does. That's, that's and and sometimes like, you'll why, see why? offenses that rank really What's high the in reason? these metrics yeah. and they're terrible, you right. know, like, so it's like, like, it's not obvious that just doing those things. But that is one where from like the, oftentimes I think that Nick's use of a wise man avoids all extremes is mm-hmm. much more results driven yeah. than process strip process driven. It's like, we don't want to rank in like effectiveness in any category that low, but from a like building the offense standpoint, that one in particular to me is so bizarre. Why right. wouldn't you want to just play around with these like chess pieces that you have a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. And it's related obviously to bunches. Like one of the yeah, ways the teams do three by one is they'll do a bunch on one side and the Eagles don't do a lot of that. Um, the route combinations in this offense seem to be a lot of two man combinations, just a lot of combinations where we see you know, two slants on one side or one, one, in, or two ins or one in and one out, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if those are just the things that they're comfortable calling, that they're comfortable running, but it does seem like there could be more variety. I think the bunch formation, a number there, that's what jumps out to me for the simple reason of oftentimes the best way to design your offense is what gives you the most fits and the right, best exactly. way to well, design. Yeah, no wonder the defense is so bad. They never see it in practice. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. And one of the ways to design a defense is, is is like what challenges you the most, right? So, yeah, if if this is something that your defense struggles with, it will behoove you to have your offense do it. Weird stuff. Uh, I, I I imagine we'll get more into in the Sirianni. So so I'll I'll just give quick the injury update from from yesterday. Zach Cunningham, Cam Jurgens, and Darius Slay did not practice. Reed Blankenship progressing. Uh, he was limited. But he was out there, uh, so the he could potentially return from that concussion for, for Monday night. We'll see today. The, the Cunningham and Slay thing, they both have missed time with, with these injuries in the past or practice time, so that might be maintenance. We'll pay attention to Jurgens because he did come off the field for a bit the other day. So we'll, we'll watch that. What was the thing with Devontae? Yeah, so Devontae Smith and Hassan Reddick, uh, when we were out there, and we're only out there for the stretching and the individual drills, they were not it was only long enough to see them practicing falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had no pads on. They weren't stretching with the team, so it was those so, two guys. Those two guys, and so it wasn't. Uh, so it seemed as if they weren't practicing. As it turns out, they took their normal amount of Wednesday work, just not in pads. Uh, so they were out there in team drills, just not in pads. Uh, my understanding is there's like a a deloading that they might do. So. Early in the week, this is kind of how, how how those guys operate, and then they build up as the week goes on. Did the Jurgens injury happen during the game? Yes, he okay. came off the field in the fourth quarter, and then he came back on. Okay, in the fourth quarter? Uh, second half. Okay, okay. I was going to say, he didn't look 
on the film, he just didn't look like he was moving well. Yeah, this was the second yeah. half. He returned. He he got evaluated. They announced the injury in the press box. He returned, but he was not out there, I believe, for those final few snaps because Landon Dickerson was playing center. Yeah, but they took out everybody yeah. for those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it was it was noteworthy to me though that Dickerson was snapping as opposed to Jerkins. Right. There. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll get to everything else, but before we do, I do want to talk about AG1 because it's it's the time of year when we're all trying to get healthier. Uh, anyone who uh, listens, shout out to Mr. Vernon, who uh, can hear how, how much I was coughing in recent weeks. It's important to be healthy. Uh, and AG1, my uh, I've said this before, my sister's boyfriend swears by it. Uh, since, since drinking AG1, you will feel so good. Not only does AG1 deliver the healthy doses of vitamins, minerals, pre and uh, and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. I, I know football players who use AG1, and the thought of of of, of taking all these supplements and, and pills it sounds ex- exhausting. So so don't bother in the supplement aisle at the grocery store. That's why AG1 is a game changer. It's just one scoop, and it covers your nutrient gap, supports your gut health and promotes healthy energy levels in just 60 seconds every morning. AG1 also it, 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 it takes the place of the multivitamin, pre- and probiotics, and, up, and the other supplements that you might take, and it's very easy to stick to. Aging is a part of life that we all have to deal with, but this can help prevent that uh, with all their support for brain, gut, and immune health. And all it takes, like I said, is just one scoop. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here's your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply. That's a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash eagles. That's drinkag1.com slash eagles. Check it out. Now I had a chance to meet uh, Jenna's boyfriend, Mr. AG1, yes, uh, last year yes. for, at your uh, at your birthday party. Nice guy. Do you worry at all, though, that Jenna feels forced to stay with him just so that you can use him as an intro for the AG1 ad read? No, he's a, he's a great guy. So that's, that's more the reason. And the AG1 just makes him healthier. Okay. Sister's ex-boyfriend doesn't have quite as good. Yeah, no, my sister's no, no, ex-boyfriend sister's boyfriend loved AG1. Yeah, yeah that's no, not sister's a, not boyfriend. A, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, and, and he's a healthy, he's, he's healthy because of AG1. Meanwhile, if, uh, if Zach's sister's boyfriend <laughs> wanted to go to an Eagles game but didn't have tickets yet, it could go on game time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Images of seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Dane is used it for the Super Bowl. What more do you need to know? It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through email. Tickets make great holiday gifts. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY. For $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's let's uh, let, let's sort of pivot to the Eagles offense against the Seahawks defense. And within that, I want to ask you, Zach, what Nick Sirianni said and what Jalen Hurts said when asked about Jalen Hurts' completion percentage over expected during yesterday's press conferences. What does that mean? That's kind of what Jalen. I'm sorry. That's what Nick Sirianni said. Is that for uh, an organization that's so analytically driven, um, as we've documented, and and that comes from the way top of the organization. Uh, when Nick Sirianni was presented with completion percentage over expectant, uh, he he kind of didn't really understand what that meant or said that. Now he said that. Now 
a few things here. First off, it was the last question of a press conference. They had he, already said the press conference. Yeah. Press conference was over. Yeah. So he he might have just been trying to get off off the stage. Number one. Number two. It might have been a topic that he just didn't want to delve into. And number three, there is a very real chance that he gets this information, but he gets it gets presented to him not with acronyms or you know it gets presented to him in a digestible way. Uh, so that's another theory that 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 could come. It's a pretty up. digestible way already. I think I I read it just watching it as more like he just wanted to get off the press, the press conference. What did Professor you Professor Selman? We yeah. Know. Well, he was definitely he was already like literally standing yeah. as he as he said, and he just said, "Yeah, I don't know what that means." Um, so. Jalen Hurts, I mean, to explain what it yeah, does mean, please. Jalen Hurts' uh, completion percentage is 66.5% this year. That ranks 13th uh, in the league among qualifying quarterbacks, which is just above average. But he leads the league in completion percentage over expectation, and that's a next-gen stats um, a metric that uses the player tracker devices. And, and so they, you know, at the, at the time of the throw... Where are all the players? You know, what speed are they going? You know, where is the court? You know, all, all, all that information. The depth of target. Like, what are the chances of, you know, historically a pass similar to this being thrown in the under these conditions? Exactly. Yeah. So all the data, they all the historical data they have from that basically models out what is the percentage probability of a, of a completion. And then if you complete that pass, you know, that ends up being that much above expectation above what it was. In the end, they they average out the the uh, completion uh, probabilities of all the throws to give you an expected completion percentage for the season. And Jalen Hurts' completion percentage expe- expected completion percentage for the season. This uses all the data up to the moment of the throw, without the, without what happened on the throw itself, is sixty one point six percent, which is the second lowest in the league. Uh, the only uh, quarterback with a lower one is 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 Bryce Young from Carolina. Hmm. And, not good company. And no, not good company. And and up until last week, uh, Hertz was actually dead last uh, in in this metric. Now, this isn't a metric about the quarterback necessarily, and and this is kind of up for debate. And we talked about some of those extremes earlier. The question becomes: Is this a scheme thing? Right? Is the is the offense not scheming people open? You look at the people who have the easiest throws according to this metric in the league, and it's it's Brock Purdy, it's it's Tua, right? It's these these offenses that we know. Are schemed and and by far the leader in this category is is Mahomes and we know the Andy Reid offense and how it and how it uh, how it schemes people open. So I, I I think if I recall correctly, those guys are the top three. So the question becomes: Is this Jalen not seeing the easy throws, choosing not to take the easy right. throws? Like he doesn't throw it to Jack Stoll when he's open. Yes. Instead, he's going to throw it to AJ when he's double covered. That kind of thing. Uh, or is it or is it the scheme? Is it some combination uh, and so on? So that's the that's the discussion that. Would have been interesting to to hear what Sirianni, um, you know, th- thinks about that, but that wasn't going to happen. What is your opinion? I think it's a combination of everything. Now, one of the things the model doesn't know is, and by the way, like you know, I tweeted, I tweet out that graph every week now because it's interesting. Yes. It's a, it's a graph with expected completion percentage on one axis and the completion percentage above expected on the other. So Jalen Hurts is always on the extreme top left of that. Top means that he's doing a really good job completing the the throws, and left means that it's it's difficult throws. Yes. And the Twitter responses are are not what I'm going for at all. I mean, just like with anything on Twitter, but um, it's like fire Brian Johnson, you know, kind of stuff, which which is silly. I mean, yeah. first of all, it's not you know necessarily not his offense, right? It's not necessarily his offense. It's also not a metric that's meant to just evaluate whether the the scheme is is getting easy throws, right? It's a combination of everything. And the one thing the model doesn't know, which is important, is who you're throwing to. Right. It doesn't it doesn't like adjust for the fact that you're throwing to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, guys who are going to be more likely to catch the ball. So throwing a, a contested pass to A.J. is better than one to Jalen Rager. Exactly. And when you look at like the Super Bowl last year, the yeah. Quez Watkins drop, I mean, on that same play, A.J. Brown was kind of open, too. I'm not that I've watched that play, you know, many, many times uh, over the course <laughs> it of the offseason. Sounds hard. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, that's one where the model would say the Quez Watkins throw is a higher probability of, of completion. Or I, I would tell you, no, no, it's not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so uh, there is some of that as well, and that kind of speaks to the discussion that that you know you guys have been having during the week about should only those three guys be getting targets? Mm-hmm. Like, is that part of the reason? Is, is he's not taking the easy throws to the others? Maybe there could be more throws designed for the backs in the. That's offense? what Nick Sirianni did acknowledge right. yesterday that they need to get Swift involved in the passing game. Right. I think he listened to Bo on the show. So. First drive for sure. There will be a plan. To, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. There's also, there's also. I mean, we're, you're measuring completion percentage as if that's the goal, and not like the expected value of the pass. Like even if 
you know, if it's a if it's a, an, a wide open two yard check down, that's not necessarily better than of of course, you know. right? Exactly. You're taking that deep shot for a for an explosive play as opposed to just getting it to second and five or whatever. Uh, for sure, yeah. Um, Brian Johnson and his presser seemed to indicate when talking about like why those three guys were getting all the all the balls and why there were so many deep shots. Um, he he made it clearer than I've ever heard him make it like about a specific game that the single high coverages that Dallas uh, used in that game. And as they as they're prone to use was was the reason that Jalen was taking those outside shots um, because the matchups were were yep. dictating that. So that'll be interesting this coming uh, Monday night because Seattle plays. More zone. They still play. Yeah. They play more zone, but they play a lot of single highs, so more single high than than two high. So it'll be interesting if if we see that kind of thing again. What are the other things on on this side of the matchup that are jumping out to you? Um, well, let's see in terms of, uh, Seattle, they play again, lots of cover three. Um, they are really bad on late downs. So the, the Eagles are one of the best, um, offenses in the league on late downs, just looking at late down third and fourth down, um, uh, EPA per play. The Eagles are second. The Seattle defense is 30th, uh, success rate. The Eagles are fourth. The Seattle defense is 29th. So this could be a game where, you know, hopefully it doesn't get to uh, late downs, but that's kind of been the pattern with this offense. Um, that should be something that they can take advantage of. And just looking at, I mean, I've only looked at the at the, like Seattle's actual film for a little bit so far. The game's not till Monday. I mean, this is uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the show's <laughs> we're too early. For the, this is a football uh, yeah. Thursday here. I know. The, um, the Monday to Friday. <laughs> well, yeah, we're we're bound by the uh, you know. Monday to Friday work week, like yes. like what are, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's no, a football it's, show. It's ridiculous. I mean, they should change the school schedule when the Eagles play Monday night. Um, yeah, uh, but are, you, are are you a football guy in the sense that like yesterday was a Wednesday for you? Oh yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah, Sirianni and Jalen Hurts press conferences. And, oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. I, I take my daughter to school on Fridays. I'm like, wait, today's a Thursday. Yeah, no, yeah. it messes messes me up messes completely. Me up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've I've tried to uh, you know get everyone's school to change their schedule, but <laughs> you know, they, they just won't. I won't do it. Um, yeah. Well, plus you've got a Monday to Monday, which is which is rare, which means you could really stick in the. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. That's true. But the yeah. following Monday is a weird one because it's Christmas, and so there's all you know people are off as it is. It's a weird, yeah, weird week. True. <laughs> Thanks for selling that one, Bo. It is. Um, <laughs> Seattle's defensive coordinator Clint Hurt was with uh, Vic Fangio, just like uh, Sean Desai was. Um, but it seems to be kind of a, a, a hybrid of the Fangio philosophy and the what we've seen from Seattle in the past, with you know a little more cover three, Classic, not as not yeah. not as much disguise as maybe the Fangio defenses are known for. And those disguise metrics, they rank uh, they rank pretty low. And of course, Sean Desai was there last year, so. That's right. They were they were together there yeah. last year. Any connections Zach, between Clint Hurt and Jalen Hurts? Uh, no, Hurt was uh, at Louisville uh, for a long time. Actually, he was he was he was known as a real good recruiter, I believe. Uh, D line coach there. Uh, then if overlapped it, with uh, Gunter Brewer, uh, maybe so. Actually, maybe so. I would have to look that up. But no, I I, I don't know of a Jalen Hurts connection yet. Okay, Hurt, of course, two T's. Two T's for Clint. Yes, three if you count Clint. You're on top of it. That's right. Yes. Uh, all right. Anything else on that side of the matchup before we uh, move sides of the ball? No, I think that's good for that side. All right, Zach, uh, before we do that, give you a chance to talk about uh, Wheelhouse. Yes. I actually, I, I received a nice package in the mail yesterday from Shy Vintage Sports. Wow. And uh, in the What an influencer you are. In it, no, I, I purchased it. Oh. And in on the receipt. Don't they know who you are? On the receipt. On the receipt, they wrote congratulations on the new show. Oh, yeah. Nice. So it's 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 really nice, and I, I say that as a way of saying that I'm not just reading these ad reads. I'm a customer, right? Mm. Um, I'm a paying customer at Wheelhouse Cars at Shy Vintage Sports, and it's because they are the go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is "Cards and Community" because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps, Chrome Baseball, and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies with brands like. Mitchell Ness, 47 brand junk food starter. And of course, Shy Vintage Sports. I also put in a koozie in the package, like a Spectrum koozie. Um, Gruntis? Yeah. Excuse me. Nice. There you go. You did get get the hookup. Uh, Looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. Open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off. Any purchase of $25 or more in store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. And I follow them now 
on Twitter as well. All right. Other side of the ball, this Eagles defense that is struggling mightily right now, Dane is. Uh, let's start on the, the third down defense. You talked about it last week, you know, hoping that maybe the larger sample size of how they do on first and second down would at some point overcorrect uh, to what they're doing on third down. Didn't happen last week. How how nervous are you? How oh. how historically bad is this, this it's, unit? It's crazy. I mean, to start with last week, I mean, last week, I know you guys talked about it earlier in the week, but it was a, it was a caricature of how bad it's been uh, throughout the year. In the first half, the Eagles got to third down on 10 of the 17 uh, opportunities, which is good. That's above average. They allowed nine of those 10 <laughs> to be converted. Uh, and, you know, some of those were third and one, third and two, but there was a third and nine. There was a third and 17. There was a third and six. Uh, and the only yeah. stop came on third and 20 when uh, Dallas wasn't even trying to, to convert. They just ran, uh, you know, some short routes to try to get the field goal closer. And they didn't end up needing to because they made the 60 yarder anyway. Um, so uh, it was it was just awful. I mean, for the game, Dallas had 29. So so comparing first down uh, early downs to late downs and, and again, hoping for the for the reversion to come in the game. Dallas had 29 first down plays. Guess how many of them they converted for first downs? First down on play? first down. Uh, they had 29 such plays. The league average four. is 21 percent. One. One. They had wow. one first down wow. on first down the entire game. Now we're talking about a game which was a disaster on defense. Yeah. And the only first down was a was a run. Actually, it was a missed Kevin Byard tackle on a running play in yeah. the first drive of the game. I was going to say that is quarter. the only one uh, the entire game. So of the other, you know, the the other twenty eight, like wild. got to second down. Yeah, no, it was crazy. Um, in the end, in nine of the conversions came on second down. The other thirteen. Uh, came on uh, came on that late feels downs. like a like a Mike McCarthy fever dream like <laughs> like exactly what he wanted right exactly exactly he wants to keep the defense off the field yeah, right and yeah. like go slow and all that yeah no it really and and, and they still scored yeah. points yeah so before you continue with the numbers what do you make of that why do you think they are so much worse on third down yeah than they, and and it's it's not like you know I know the players are, are telling us when you get into third and two, third and three, it's not a defense to call, but they're really bad on third and long as well. They're so, bad on all of yeah. them, right? So uh, Brooks Gabena had an article in The Athletic this week where um, he, he broke down like into the different yardage chunks. I know you guys How have talked you. about that as well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Stop that, Bob. Um, yeah. Um, 74% conversions on one to three yards to go is 14 points worse than league average. 57% on four to six yards to go, 12 points worse than league average. 47% on seven to nine yards to go, 14 points worse than league average. They're double digit points worse than league average in every distance. And, um, you know, and so it's like, like, how is this? And then you look and it's like the Eagles are good on early downs. And it's, and it's like, what, like, how can, how is this so different? So shout out to, uh, you won't be offended by this one. Um, uh, uh, Greg on Twitter um, at Greg Hart PA. So uh, and I need to, I need, I shout out. this is a great account, Greg. great account to follow. Actually, Greg Hart PA, G R E G H A R T P A. He put out some graphs on Twitter this week that showed all of the defenses in the league from 2010 to 2023 in terms of average distance to go on third down and then conversion rate allowed. So that was one of the graphs he put up. And there have only been 10 or 10 uh, defenses out of 448 total defenses in that in that span, which allowed a higher conversion rate than the Eagles uh, are this year. And they all had significantly lower average distance to go. The Eagles are like in the upper right of that graph, like all by themselves, basically. Um, similarly, around 10 to 15 percent of teams had higher average distance to go than the Eagles. Uh, Eagles are actually very good at causing a, a long distance to go. And none of them allowed a conversion rate anywhere close to what the Eagles are. And then when you just look at the early down versus late down EPA per play, and I'll, and I'll address your question in a second about what's fundamentally different about those downs. The 2023 Eagles rank eighth out of 448 defenses in the biggest difference between the two, like the biggest discrepancy between how well they're doing on early downs and late downs. And let's talk about a defense we remember fondly, the 2017 Eagles defense, mm -hmm. which won the Super Bowl. Might not have been good in the Super Bowl, but definitely had a sure. big hand in getting there. Contrast between that team and this year's team, almost identical on early down EPA per play. But listen to this, on late downs, out of 448 defenses, the 2017 team was fourth in wow. EPA per play out of 448 teams. This year's team is 443rd, <laughs> sixth from last. I mean, we're talking about as, about as opposite extremes as can be. And all those people who cursed the picket fence defense. Yeah, that's, yeah, oh, yeah, that was, that was just completely outrageous. Um, you know, Jim Schwartz is showing. It worked, uh, though. 
What he's saying? No, 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 no. I'm saying, saying, saying the criticism was the yeah. criticism was outrageous. Oh, oh, yo, okay. Yeah, okay. It worked I, I almost. It worked almost every yeah, time. Exactly. And in yeah. the times that it didn't work, it that yeah. wasn't the defense. Yes. It was something else. Yeah. Uh, it was just Corey. As he was wanting to tell you. Yeah. No. Yeah. Ex- ex- exactly. Um, so I had to. I had to. I had to dive into this. Like, like, what's the difference, right? Like, this what is you're terrific. It, it, is it just the? Song? I like that. I like that. This was not you diving into. No, it. no, no. This now, is, okay, okay. This is just oh, the. Okay, I've just done the <laughs> now let me really, you know, crack my knuckles. Let's, here we go. This okay. is this is the yeah, phenomenon. No, this is the phenomenon. Now we have to analyze yes. it. Yeah. I love this. Um, so the uh, the biggest difference in terms of the way the Eagles approach the downs is is man versus zone coverage, right? So. The Eagles play man coverage on 26% of early downs, which ranks uh, 10th most in the league. They play man coverage on 55% of late downs, which ranks 5th most. The rankings aren't that different, but still 26% versus 55%, more than double man coverage. Again, most teams use man coverage more on late downs. But the success rate in man coverage is... 47%, 47%, the success rate in zone coverage is 58% for the for the Eagles. Uh, defensive overall, success overall. rate, sorry. For every overall, down. yeah, exactly, every down. So, um, yeah, I didn't want to do too much of the, like, just sure. restating the result, right. right? So it's like, like, are there things about man and zone? There's a little bit, but that's not all it is, right? Like, there's something more to it than that. Um, and, and it's hard for me to tell. I know uh, there were questions earlier this week about, like, why are the safeties playing so far back on fourth and yep. short, things like that. There were a couple of... Um, you know, just anecdotal moments of like, why aren't they like, you know, why isn't a linebacker in the A gap on, on, you know, like allowing a quarterback sneak, things like that. Are there things where the defense isn't correctly optimizing for getting the stop? You know what I mean? As opposed to, as opposed to stopping a bigger play right. on that. Or, or that Which I feel thing. like if we're just on one play, like yeah. that fourth and two, it's like, it's the middle of the field. It's early in the game. I, I'm fine yeah. with that. Like that's, I, I that's, that seems like the, the right uh, move to make, but like if we're talking about is this personnel or scheme like if we're saying well when they go man they're bad that feels like it's tilted more towards personnel right now we know that they're older in the secondary they do also they also do a lot of there's a lot of moving parts with those guys right maybe that's why you don't go zone as much because there's there's less consistency with the guys in the back end you also you you imagine more often you're going man because you're blitzing that and then we know that they're so bad when they blitz I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. No, there. it's true. I mean, they're they're playing man more when they play almost exclusively man out of the dime package, mm-hmm. where they have younger players in the game. So mm-hmm. last week we saw both Eli Ricks and Keely Ringo in the game on those plays, especially after Reed Blankenship got injured. Um, Desai felt like it was important to get that package in there, even if it meant having Ringo in there. Uh, but they played almost the you know essentially the same coverage and 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 rush uh, combination. I mentioned this last week. Those five man. Uh, rush packages on third down are something that I haven't loved. Yeah. Um, and I know, uh, you know, Shield was talking. Am I allowed to talk about Shield? Of course. Or, you're not allowed to talk about anyone. Brooks okay, better. Doing a good job. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, Brooks I don't, is doing a I don't, job. I don't, yeah. I mean, I've never met Brooks or anything. <laughs> I, I can talk about Shield. Um, Shield um, has been talking about Shiel, the third down yeah. sacks being low. <laughs> yeah. Um, there have been nine sacks on third down during the year. There have been two on fourth down. So I don't know if you want to yeah. uh, add those to late down. And a lot sacks. on first and second down. Yeah, more. Yeah, I guess they're what thirty-seven total. So whatever. They're second in the league in first and second down sacks. Yeah. Right. You could make an argument that first and second down is is where there's a bigger difference between a sack and a non-sack. Um, as long as you're not as long as it's a, bad as long as, as, as long as you're not. Yeah. yeah. That, exactly. Yes. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, but I think one of the reasons that they're like getting so, to a third date but not getting to a fourth one, right? So. I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's just it's always it's coming back to Horn Zach. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't know. Never. I don't know how we got there, um, but the uh, <laughs> the the um, <laughs> I'm like completely thrown off. So the the third down rush packages are not something that I've enjoyed watching. Right. I mean, it's not just that they're not getting sacks. It's like the way they're not getting sacks. Last week, we saw this one package where Fletcher Cox is lined up on the edge. Josh Sweat is lined up over the guard, standing up, and then he backs up as if he's going to spy. And then like five minutes later, starts to loop around. I mean, it's just like a little bit too much thought is going into this. I feel like you, you have, you've have you paid these guys to rush the passer. Just kind of let them line up and, and rush the passer on, on I agree. third down. I think Josh Sweat would agree as well. I think I think I don't want to speak for for Josh, but I think he would agree as well. Zach's clearly uh, talked to Josh about this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just think he would agree as well. <laughs> well, yeah, for you to sp- specifically say, I think Joshua would agree is, is funny. Uh, but I, I also, and then this is all part of the like, are have they been playing too many snaps? You know, those those individual guys are not performing at the individual level you would expect. 
I think that's all part of that as well. The good news is it's not like they have to worry about like uh, you know good receivers this week. No, mm. but there is good news. Okay, I'm gonna. I mean, yes, the receivers yeah. are good, but the Seattle Seahawks have been absolutely horrible on third down mm. offense, uh, late down offense in general. When Seattle has the ball on late downs, you will be watching the 31st best late down offense against the 32nd best late down defense uh, on Monday Night Football. So something has good to stuff. give here. That's, bad on bad. That's, yeah. that's I love, I love a bad on bad. Um, by success rate, it's a little better it's the 30th offense against the 31st defense so uh hopefully this can be a get right game now the question is will it be a get right game for the eagles or a get right game for the seattle offense um and then about the zone versus man geno smith this year uh fourth geno right i said geno (laughs) and i'm not going to tell you how many times i rewound to listen yesterday uh (laughs) um geno smith fourth in success rate against zone uh, 25th against man. So it's another, really another, like, it's really weakness against weakness. Yeah, exactly. It's going to yeah. be bad on bad on, on that side of the ball. Yeah. That's yeah, a good that's coaching funny. rallying point this week. You guys might stink here, but they're even worse. Exactly. I like that. Yeah, they suck more as a great rallying yes, cry. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on this side? Uh, no, I think that's it. Okay. Um, Zach, you know, we, we were doing the uh, reasons for optimism this week, yeah. right? Uh, Actually, someone... Uh, <laughs> A friend of both of ours okay. uh, said to me that he complimented our shows this week. I said, I said thank you so much for listening. Okay, so now we know it's a he. Okay. And he was like, it was so it was so funny to see Bo try to be optimistic. <laughs> he had such a hard time with it. And I was like, That's, that sounds about right. So was it Howie? <laughs> it, was, it was not Howie. It was, it was not Howie. Um, it was someone we used to work. Well, you it was, to, so it was someone right. on the beat. It was someone on the beat. Okay. Yeah. Um, along those lines, one of the things that we did not talk about is like the the schedule the Eagles have played mm. this season. I know this is a, this is close to your heart, Dana. Is um, compared to the other good teams in the league, the Eagles had like the schedule the Eagles have played is is much more difficult. It's crazy. I mean, um, in in addition to the sequence of the schedule, which we've talked about, yeah. how historically difficult these last six games have been, how his uh, the last five games, I guess, one to go here, but um how tiring it's been for, for all of us. I mean, I'm tired, yes. right? Like, I mean, it's just every week, it's like this big game that you're getting ready for. And, um, and he's going to kill the NFL. I think, yeah. <laughs> um, in addition, in addition I mean, to, no, yeah, nobody, nobody is a bigger fan uh, of the Eagles winning four straight games right now than Emily. So, <laughs> so you don't have to travel in the playoffs. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes, yeah. To yes. get that by week. Exactly. Need that San Francisco loss too there. But, uh, yeah. So, um, According to PFF, using weighted EPA per play metrics, and this is not even taking into account the sequence. It's not taking okay. into account the extra rest that both Dallas and San Francisco got the last two weeks. Um, the Eagles have played the strongest schedule of offenses in the league by some margin and the third strongest schedule of defenses. And that's practically a three-way tie. So almost essentially the hardest on both sides of the ball. Looking at the other teams that have won 10 or 9 games this year, hmm. none of them have played an offense harder than the 22nd hardest schedule. That was San Francisco. The rest of them, 29th, 24th, 25th, 32nd. This is just looking through the teams that are either 10-3 and three or 9-4 and four right now in the league. When you look at the strength of defenses, it's basically the same thing. San Francisco has played the 10th hardest schedule of defenses. Everybody else, 28th, 30th, 17th, 24th. So among the teams that have played difficult schedules... None of them have a very good record. I mean, the Eagles are the only one that have been able to withstand a difficult schedule like this and have a good record. So, yes, the last two games have looked really bad, but let's not lose sight of the big picture. Let's not forget how difficult these last couple of games were. Obviously, the Eagles could have looked a lot better in those games. I, uh, but let's not let's not forget that the Eagles are 10-3 and three despite this the most difficult well schedule said. in the league. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that is more like contextual for the point differential than anything else, right? Like, which we talk about is so outrageous. It's not like, it doesn't make me feel like they got less railroaded the last two weeks, but it's, it's there, you know, they went through that gauntlet and the reason that they're only, you know, plus 21 is because they played such a difficult Well, recency bias and point differential being such main things in everybody's mind, I assume the Raiders must be Super Bowl (laughs) favorites now. That was crazy last night. I I do want to add regarding the schedule that, uh, I've seen it in some parts like this is this is the byproduct of, of a first place schedule. That's that's not really the case. Kansas City, you can say that about the the two games that were up up for grabs this yeah, year. I mean, it's only were, two games. Were Kansas yeah. City and Minnesota. Okay, three. You're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tampa Bay was the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Kansas City, yeah. Tampa Bay, and Minnesota. 
So those it's hard to get games. used to the 17 yes. game. Thing, um, right? So I don't think anyone would say Minnesota and Tampa Bay are the reasons why this schedule was, was difficult. Certainly Kansas City adds to it. I think this is more two things. A, the sequence of games like we talked about, but also the time of games. Uh, and the like this was supposed to be a one o'clock game in Seattle. OK, this weekend. Uh, it's obviously now it's a Monday primetime game. Like we talked about with Fletcher Cox, they get back at 5 a.m. You know that 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 changes their whole week, and and we've talked about the dearth of one o'clock games. I think that contributes to the overall like fatigue of the team because you can't get into a normal rhythm. Like when you're playing Sunday at one, Sunday at four, um, these guys are home at like ten, eleven o'clock. Even you know, even if 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 you're going out, it's 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 not the same as playing all these primetime games, these Monday night games, I think that's affecting them as, as well because you never get your body into a normal rhythm. And then the last thing uh, before we get to Goose Wisely, Dana, is, is uh, you mentioned, you know, the Niners need a loss. If the Eagles are going to go 4-0 with mm. this one seed, you are Mr. Playoff Scenarios. What what can you tell us this week? What do we need to know? Yeah, so if you uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, pinned to my profile right now is is my latest on the Eagles uh, clinching scenarios. Uh, if they finish 14-3 and three, and if they finish 13-4. and four. Those are the ones that I that I have up there. Um, I'll just go through in terms of the, the three teams the Eagles are racing against in the standings. First, Dallas. So this is for the NFC East. I hope we know by now that if the Eagles uh, win out, mm-hmm. um, they'll win the, win the NFC East. A loss to either Seattle or Arizona would mean that the Eagles would need Dallas to lose a game. With this following caveat, that loss cannot come to Detroit. If Dallas loses to Detroit okay. and the Eagles lose uh, to anybody, then Dallas would win the division. And that's because, speaking to your point about the, uh, the three games that are different, Detroit is one of those games. It's an uncommon game. And losing that game would mean that Dallas would end up with a better record among common opponents. And because the Eagles went 3-0 and in those uncommon games. And so um, the Eagles would immediately need help from Dallas if losing a game. And that help cannot come from Detroit. It has to be one of the other games, either Buffalo, Miami, or Washington. And they Which have Buffalo, plausible. Miami in a row right yeah. now right so yeah. if if they lose to buffalo or miami in that scenario it would come down to strength of victory which is complicated but the eagles would almost surely uh get that if the eagles lose to the giants now it's complicated now it's worse right because that's a division loss yes and now the the dallas atomic devito <laughs> it is but you know isn't he winning like every game so <laughs> true. uh dallas would then have to lose to washington in order to okay. uh cancel that out um otherwise would need dallas to actually lose twice so um you know that's the so if the eagles lose to the giants and dallas lose to washington that's one for one there the eagles would still have the tiebreaker um but like i said that tiebreaker would flip if the Eagles lose to the Giants and Dallas okay, loses to somebody to else, or if the Eagles lose any game and Dallas loses to Detroit, the tiebreaker would also flip. So that that Detroit game is the is kind of like the least important of the remaining Dallas games because losing it obviously it would give them a yeah. loss, but it would also give them the the tiebreaker there. Okay. Um, and then to beat out Detroit, uh, maybe this is a little bit too in the weeds, but um, if oh, the, we're already in the weeds. The Eagles, okay. <laughs> the Eagles are, are are obviously a game ahead of Detroit now, so just yeah. winning all the games will will do it. But if the Eagles lose to Seattle, which is immediate, that's this next game, then um, that would give Detroit the tiebreaker over the Eagles in record versus common opponents. Seattle is a common opponent with Detroit. The Eagles and Detroit currently have one loss each to those common opponents. This would be a second loss for the Eagles. It would give Detroit um, control over finishing ahead of the Eagles. So if the Eagles do end up winning the division and then are in a tie with Detroit, a loss to Seattle there would give Detroit the tiebreaker. So the Eagles would need Detroit to lose a game. If there's a win... Guaranteed for the Eagles? No. So if okay. the Eagles lose to somebody else, right. to the Giants or Arizona, then that uh, common opponents thing would be tied. And okay. then it would go to strength of victory, which right now is, it's very fun to track. I mean, for those of you into this kind of thing, uh, <laughs> is very close. Like Detroit is up by like one game right now, one win among all the wow. adding up the wins of the teams that they beat. Um, so yeah, that would come down to like some random uh, game in week 18 uh, if, it, if it actually comes down to that. Okay, so that's where that's where we are, and, and it's kind of nice that the San Francisco one is just so cut and dried. It is cut and dried, two way tie, three way tie doesn't matter. San Francisco, in all scenarios, has the tiebreaker uh, over the Eagles, so we just flat out need to have a better record than them. Okay, all right, you ready for some goose wisely, Zach? Let's do it. I'm I'm more prepared this week than I was last week. All right, uh, I believe I'm up seven to four as we enter this week. Um, I can go first. My first one for you. I, this is a, I'm asking you for a little bit of a, a news insight here. Ready? Hmm. You can get some insider trading here. Okay. Reed Blankenship plays. 
Or Rashad Penny plays. Ooh, I didn't talk to Rashad yesterday. I was in Jalen Hurts press conference. I, I said hello to him, but I was rolling out the Hurts. I'm gonna go with. Did he uh, say hello back? Yeah, of course. I'm gonna go read Blankenship plays. Uh, Rashad is kind of the. He's been the fourth back. I don't see that changing at this point. Uh, maybe they go that way as a spark. Uh, but going back to Seattle, they're not gonna make him a yeah. special captain or something like that. You know, the, nah, the classic. We uh, typically don't do that. That, that, that was an old Peterson move, not not something that the Eagles do now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the one extra day for Blankenship and the fact that he was limited yesterday maybe makes it tilt that way. Okay, your turn. Uh, real quick, someone said, Professor uh, Deniz, can you explain to Zach that his third down sacks being more important makes no sense? My point about third down sacks is it forces, a, is it forces right, them yeah, off. It's the over. Yeah. Yes, okay. Um, my first one here is... Uh, DeAndre Swift tops the season average in receptions. So he's averaging 2.7 receptions per game. Okay. Or Quez Watkins tops the season average in receptions. Mm. He's averaging 1.2 target, uh, Ooh, I'm sorry, one. receptions a game. So this is basically, are they incorporating other targets? I like that one. That's a tough one. Because I, I you know, I, I agree that they're going to, they're going to make a point to throw a couple passes to DeAndre Swift, but three receptions for, for him. It might be a lot, whereas all you need from Quez is two. Uh, but we're not just talking targets. We're talking actual receptions. I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift because I feel like uh, the chances of him catching the ball when it's thrown to him are higher. I mean, there's there's evidence to suggest that. That's fair yeah. enough. Okay. Swift over 2.7, Quez over 1.2. He had three against Kansas City, three against Miami. How many catches did DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift how many yeah. catches did DeAndre Swift have against the Jets? Six? Eight. Eight. I don't yeah. remember that. That's crazy. Six against the Rams. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, next for you, Zach. Uh, DK Metcalf tops 100 yards receiving in this game. We know that he's killed yep. the Eagles in the last two times he's played them. Or any player in the game finishes with fewer than zero yards from scrimmage. So you're talking about a blown up run or a blown up pass. Uh, I'm going call this with, the Adrian Killens. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Great reference to an Eagle San Francisco game in 2020. AK, as uh, Doug Peterson calls him. AK, AK, yeah. I believe he had one carry for a negative 11 yeah. yards. Uh, DK Metcalf topping 100 yards. And shout out to Jordan Ta'amu. <laughs> Am I pronouncing it correctly? I think, yeah, close enough. <laughs> the former. And uh, I, I will give you analysis on that, except. This actually ties directly into my next one. So great minds think alike. Mm. And we can kind of combine the analysis of the two. Okay, go ahead. A.J. Brown has more receiving yards than D.K. Metcalf or D.K. Uh, Metcalf has more receiving Zach. yards than A.J. Brown. This is this is the Ole Miss over-under. Mm. And, of course, the Eagles playing this game uh, nearby where uh, Jeremiah Masoli used to play. Yes, correct. His old stomping grounds. This is not the first time they played against each other. They played against each other when... AJ was with the Titans, and neither one had a particularly good game. Um, Tyler Lockett had a huge game that day. What kind of treatment do you th- do you guys think the size is going to give DK Metcalf? I haven't really played this this kind yeah, of receiver this style of, of receiver. It's yeah. interesting. Um, and Slay, I mean, he was three years ago, but he got yeah. toasted in that matchup. Oh yeah, the, uh, the playoff no, game. The yeah. no, not the no, 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 no. The, the, right. There was no crowd. It was uh, right. COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. The COVID. Yeah. Um, was that the year Jim Schwartz said to him before? Uh, before the game, said oh, yeah. the DK Metcalf. That? Before the game, you're no Calvin Johnson. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was he it. complimented him. He said you're a great player. You know. Yeah. Something. What was that all about? I don't know. But then and DK, DK took, it, took yeah. such offense yeah. to it. Yeah. And Jim had to. Jim yeah. gave a statement. That explains it. why in the the end of that playoff game, Schwartz had uh, Marcus Epps, uh, who I think was a rookie at the time, <laughs> uh, covering DK Metcalf um, in man coverage on the biggest play of the game. Mm-hmm. Not that I. You know, not that I'm not I think over you lament that. that. The Josh McCown game. That's right. I think he was technically a first-year player, not a rookie. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, this is tough. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with DK Metcalf because I think there is he's been he's been hot lately, um, and the Eagles have other options. I don't mean something they have more other options. It's just that I feel like things are flowing through DK right now, whereas it could be Devontae for the Eagles. As a fan of trash talk, where do you stand on DK learning sign language so he can trash talk in sign language? I mean, hundred. I'm all the way in on it. <laughs> Fantastic move. Uh, okay, AJ over DK. All right. Um, for you, Zach, Jalen Hurts in this game has a fumble or an interception. Doesn't have to be a fumble lost. Any kind of fumble. 
even even if it's a drop snap, or at some point in the game, Pete Carroll runs onto the field. Just like anytime like runs onto the field. Yeah, but it has to be within regulation. Like it okay. can't be when the game yeah, is over. Yeah, but I'm saying, but, but not being penalized for it. Just like randomly on the field. Yeah. Like right. high-fiving, smacking his gum. Yes. Like if the uh, film shows that he was yeah. on the field during a play, that counts. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, this is, I'm definitely going Pete Carroll. Even though Jalen Hurts has fumbled seven consecutive games. But it's, it's I feel also, like it's, Pete not Carroll, a, it's not just an encroachment. It's got to be like, he's got to be moving. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know but, I mean? but he's, he's, he's past the white. He's yes. past the chalk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like every time they cut the P. Carroll, he's, <laughs> I agree. he's on yeah. the field. Yeah. Well, this also is, Jalen Hurts fumbles in every game. So. Sure. This might be my golden goose. Okay. Um, actually, and we can analyze Jalen Hurts with my next one here because I have Jalen Hurts fumbles or the Eagles win the turnover uh, ratio, turnover battle, turnover margin, however you want to frame it. Real quick on the turnovers. Uh, Eagles are 23rd at avoiding them. 25th at forcing them. Seattle is 11th at avoiding them, 17th at forcing them. I'm going to say Jalen Hurts fumbles. And I don't uh, I don't feel great about that one, but for the Eagles to win, you know, they, you know, they could tie it, they could lose it. It's a little bit. And Jalen Hurts is, has been sloppy with the ball. I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts fumbles. All right, last one for you, Zach. Uh, Geno Smith or Drew Locke, whoever is the quarterback for the Seahawks in this game, has more passing yards than Jay Buhner has career home runs. And I'm not <laughs> going to tell you what these numbers are. Okay. Or Zach Charbonnet has more running yards than Randy Johnson's career RBIs. So Randy Johnson played for the Diamondbacks, briefly for the Astros, uh, briefly for the Expos, but most of his time was in the American League. Um, so I am guessing that Randy Johnson's career RBI, and I, I like how you didn't do plural there, because it's runs batted in, not runs, not run batted ins. Uh, I am going with, uh, I'm going with Charbonnet, the former Michigan running back who then transferred to Chip Kelly. Uh, so he he knocked off two, he knocked off two things from my list there, right? That's right. Uh, I'm going with him here. I feel like Jay Buhner. Um, I mean, I I keep hearing. Uh, Frank Costanza in my head here, but Jay Buhner, uh, he, he popped a lot of homers. Uh, okay, you've made your pick. I'll tell you the answers now. Yep. Uh, Randy Johnson, 40 career RBIs. Ooh, okay. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty reasonable for yep. Charbonnet. I think he made the right choice. Uh, Jay Buhner, 310 career mm-hmm. home runs. So, uh, you know, there you go. That's a good one. I like you incorporating Seattle there. I would prefer to Sean Kemp or a, uh, a Gary Payton, but I'm okay with the Mariners. Okay. Last one for me. Eagles win by double digits. Or the Eagles score fewer points than the average that Seattle allows this year, which is 24.5 points. Oh, Both of these could happen. That's a good point. I mean, that's, you've got more faith in the defense. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just said it could. <laughs> um, give me... Ooh. I mean, the Eagles have... Uh, 24 is not, not a crazy low number. I'm going to still go with the Eagles win by double digits. I think the I think the offense will will get right to some degree. Seattle's uh you know in addition to being 26th in DVOA as you guys talked about they're also 28th in points per drive uh, allowed. Um they just don't seem to be a very good defense. Uh all right Zach, you've got uh Reed Blankenship plays over Rashad Penny plays. Quez Watkins has more than uh, has at least two yard, two receptions, whereas I have DeAndre Swift has at least three receptions. You've got DK Metcalf goes over 100, whereas I have somebody in the game finishes with fewer than zero uh, yards from scrimmage. You have A.J. Brown over DK Metcalf. I have DK Metcalf over A.J. Brown. You have Pete Carroll runs onto the field. I have Jalen Hurts fumbles or has an interception. Uh, I have Jalen Hurts fumbles. You have Eagles win the turnover battle. You have Charbonnet over 40 yards. I've got Geno or Locke over 310 passing and you've got the Eagles score fewer than 24.5 points, and I've got the Eagles win by double digits. Where do you want to put your golden egg? Pete Carroll running onto the field. That's an easy one for me. I can't picture him on the sideline. I can only picture him running onto the field. Uh, I will take... Um, and I, don't want to give, I don't want to do one where it's a direct head-to-head because then it could give you the points. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with Eagles win by double digits. Why not? Uh, real quick, um, non-Eagles breaking news, Okay, uh, but Philadelphia-related for those who are tuning in and are not on social media. 
Daryl Morey has agreed to a contract extension through the 2027-2028 season, according to Woj. I'm sure you can hear all about this on the PHLY Sixers show. I love that show. I'm looking forward to, to the analysis there. But figured I would share you. I would share that with our listeners. Opportunity is a lengthier visitor right now. Mm, nice. Congratulations to you. As as someone who worships um, <laughs> at the throne of Daryl Morey, yeah, worship at the throne, but but think he's a really smart guy who knows what he's doing, and uh, I think that's that's a good move for the Sixers. Okay, uh, yes, please check out the uh, PHLY Sixers show coming up later today. Um, before we get to predictions, Dane is, um, I, you know, I know you've got some thoughts on the jersey combinations. We'll get to that, yeah. but <laughs> there is some talk in the chat. Eagles, zero oh. and two. Since you've oh, come man. on the show, I was hoping no one noticed that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was I was just hoping that that would uh, you know fly by the wayside. How worried are we? Well, look, I mean, anyone can just start coming on the show when the <laughs> Eagles are about to play. You know, uh, you know, point. whatever easy games were earlier in the season. You know, like you know, I'm 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 here for the I'm here for the big time. So. Okay. I'm not going to back down. <laughs> Green on white. We're worried about this. Well, okay. So the Eagles are going to wear white this this uh, this Monday night because Seattle's wearing blue at home. But um, the midnight green on white. I mean, you're blaming me. But listen, the last two games. I mean, the two losses came midnight green on white. I, I tweet this every week, and I try to make it clear. I, I hate the white pants, by the way. Just so, just so. I mean, I just don't like how they look. But since Nick Sirianni took over. The Eagles in midnight green on white are 13 and 13, a 500 team. This is the, the 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 main jersey combination they use at home. So it's not like it's skewed for away games. It's the exact opposite. 22 and 3 in all other games. Mm-hmm. So wearing anything other than midnight green on white. This includes playoffs. Including playoffs. 22, oh, by the, yeah, Super Bowl loss in midnight green on white as well. Now they won. People tried to blame Feldman for that one. Yes. I mean, look, listen. The midnight green on white is just making everybody look bad, okay, um, including the players. So 22-3 and three wearing anything else, and on Monday night, the Eagles will be wearing something else. So Jeffrey Lurie is watching the show right now, okay, and he's – what's up, Jeffrey? Um, and, uh, what up, player? I mean, just switch back to <laughs> Kelly Green, and this can be avoided altogether. So, uh, so Jeffrey's watching the show, and he's, he, he, he calls down to Greg D in the equipment room, and Greg does an outstanding job. Um, and he he's saying, I heard this on the show, on the PHLY Eagles show, and we need to change this uniform combination this week. What would your suggestion be? I mean, you got to try. I mean, I understand they have to wear the midnight green because yeah. it's like the jersey. But, but I there's mean, different pants combinations. You could try it. Yeah, they've never worn it with black pants, for example. Yes. They think haven't that's a good worn look? it with midnight green pants. As our fashion since, consultant here, do you think that's a good look? Since the days of the vet. I don't know what it would look like. Like, I, I can only kind of imagine it. They I, did I, wear green on green once. That was a long time that, ago. I believe it was a Cincinnati the Thursday night game. Uh, I thought they wore it in 2012. I could be wrong with the Cincinnati Thursday night game. I could be wrong. Like a color rush thing? No, no, no. Pre- no. That pre- no, they no, they haven't the worn all green since the vet. Okay. I'm almost sure of that. Okay. Yeah. 2012? Yeah. I could mm. be wrong. I, I yeah, thought maybe. that was the case, but I'll look that up. All right. You look it up, but I don't think so. So, so would you go black jerseys then? <laughs> Would you go with the black? Well, they, they, there are rules about that, right? They can't wear uh, any, like, they can only have three games where they don't wear, like, one oh, of their true. primary jerseys, yeah. and they use two of them on Kelly Green. That's I'm true. assuming the reason yeah. they only did two for Kelly Green is so they could have one for the playoffs because they're allowed to wear Kelly Green once in the playoffs mm-hmm. as well uh, based on the rules. So, yeah, I like the all black, but, you know, just as a changeup, I mean, you can't. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Zach. Uh, tell us what the line is and uh, what your <laughs> prediction is going to be. Probably uh, five points or three points in one direction. So the line is uh, three and a half points in favor of the Eagles, so road favorites. The over-under here is 47 and a half. Did it open at four and a half? So was it, 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 it has dropped to three and a half? Was that right? I, I've seen it at four at some places. Okay. Uh, where I'm looking now, actually I should look at a different place. Hold on one second. Uh, just for the to make sure that our partners are well covered here. Um, but I agree with, with what the line is here. I think the Eagles are the, uh, are the, are the better team. Um, this isn't an OP optimist. I, I just, I think the Eagles are, are better than the Seahawks. Seattle is a tough place to cover the Eagles. <clears throat> I'm sorry. A tough place to win. The Eagles haven't beaten the Seahawks since the 2008 season. Todd Herman scored a touchdown in that Pull game. Pull it up really quickly. Actually, according yeah. to DraftKings, Eagles are three point favorites. So that's down to three and the mm-hmm. over under is at 48 and a half. Uh, 
But Seahawks have lost four in a row. This is not quite the team that they were going into the year, not the team that they were last year. I know the Eagles are struggling, but the Eagles are struggling facing top-of-the-league teams. Um, I think the extra day helps them here. I think they can reset. I think this can be a get-right game and give them momentum going into that final three. Uh, so I am going with the Eagles easily covering, okay? Uh, and I am going with a 31-20 to 20 victory wow. in favor of the Eagles here. So I feel like that's the, your biggest disparity of the season. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles are, are going to actually... Yeah, should I? No, I'll, I'll stick to that. But in our Monday, back and forth, we'll have that Monday email exchange. Uh, I, the score might be a little closer than that. But right now, I need to see the injury reports, of course. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about an Eagles win right now. Okay, uh, I am not feeling that good about an Eagles win. Uh, I'm worried. I would be worried about this game from the Eagles' perspective, uh, just because they've gotten through the two toughest parts of that. Schedule doesn't mean that like the the uh, effects of it all are not still with them. Uh, they get one extra day, but this is a difficult place to play. Uh, the Seahawks certainly need this game. I think the Seahawks offense is going to be able to move the ball on the Eagles defense. I don't know what their solves are on defense at the moment. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to pick the Eagles to win 28 to 27, mm. a nail biter. You, we can talk once again about the, uh, the magic close game elixir of Jalen Hurts. Uh, but I, I don't feel great about it. I'm a little bit nervous about this game for the Eagles, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking them to win uh, a close one. No, no pick from you, right? No, 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 no pick. I mean, people are already blaming me for... <laughs> I mean, get out of here. <laughs> now you know how we feel. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the PHLY Eagles podcast. Check out Zach's uh, Twitter feed for the rest of of what's going on at the Novacare Complex. Read his article on allphly.com about Jeff Stoutland's perspective on Lane Johnson being nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Yeah, real quick on that. I just want to, so I was, so the team put out the video of- Josh uh, Eskin in the chat, by the way, former student of mine. Anyway, wow. Josh, you are lucky because every time I hear Professor Selman here, I'm just envious of Wharton students. For, I've always been envious of Wharton students, but even more pronounced now uh, because you get to- sitting in, in the class with the, with the professor. Um, when the Eagles put out that video, you all saw, uh, and you should check that out. It was uh, back on October 11th. The Eagles had a secret, uh, secret camera recording the offensive line room when Lane Johnson uh, found out he was, he was the nominee. And we heard how passionate uh, Jason Kelsey was. But you saw uh, Jeff Stoutland hug Lane Johnson and say, this is a big deal. I'm real proud of you. You're like, this is a big deal, man. I'm real proud of you. Uh, and it was, it, it was like, it was heartfelt. It wasn't just, uh, you know, it, you could tell there was a lot to that hug. And so I wanted to ask uh, Jeff, I wanted to ask Jeff Stoutland specifically, why is that a big deal? Why is he so proud of Lane? And I tried to uh, relay what Jeff said as, as much as he could in that story. So yeah, that's an all PHLY. I'm going to try to turn something else around this weekend and then we'll have our, our predictions and what to watch on Monday on the website. So make sure you check that out. There you go. That'll do it. For uh, this episode of the PHLY Eagles podcast, uh, you do check in on the kickoff show before the game on Monday. I may change my prediction. I did forget to just pick against the Eagles in every game since they've released or since they waived Christian Ellis. So I'll, I'll probably do that uh, just as just as a, a little preview of what will happen. But that's okay. Thank you for watching all the episodes this week. Uh, good stuff here for Julia and Deniz and Zach and myself. We thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll talk to you on Monday. And as always, we love you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We all silly like the mayor.